You are listening to Mid-City Vineyard Church Podcast. Mid-City Vineyard located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. As a reminder, we will be collecting toothbrushes and large tubes of toothpaste for the month of September for kids in Mid-City. And so if you would like to participate in this, we will be collecting those toothbrushes and tubes of toothpaste at our Saturday night gatherings located at 4302 Canal Street. But you may also drop off toothbrushes and toothpaste at Mid-City Voodoo Tattoos, open seven days a week, located on Carrollton. So you can drop those off and be a part of uh, this community outreach with us. Today we are going to conclude our series on prayer. We've been in prayer for the last 10 or so weeks. And today we will be talking about prayer as a formative process. How prayer shapes and forms our souls as we are connected to God, to one another, and to creation. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. I'm really... I'm, I'm really excited about tonight, I, just the things that I think that God's been saying. So why don't we, why don't we pray once again together and um, just see what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us here. Lord, we once again, this is, this is, this is good, this is beautiful. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to, uh, to actually be connected to one another, to be connected to one another, to be connected to you. And so, Spirit of God, we ask now that as we look into the scriptures, as we talk about the uh, prayer as, as something that shapes us and forms us. God, we ask that you'd open our, our hearts and our eyes to um, maybe to realize something new about ourselves, perhaps to experience or realize something new about you. Um, and Lord, that it would be, uh, it would be something that uh, really connects with us tonight. So we welcome you here once again, Lord. Amen. So here's something that I've noticed about you guys, because uh, we, we spend a lot of time together. We, we, we go to the Bulldog on Thursday nights once a month. We, uh, we started doing red beans and rice at our house twice, uh, twice a month on Mondays, which, by the way, tomorrow night is not Red Bean Monday. So if you show up at our house tomorrow night, there won't be red beans. <laughs> I don't know what they'll be. <laughs> Uh, but I've noticed that uh, uh, some of you really do enjoy a glass, a, a good glass of wine every so often, um, myself included. And so I've recently started getting in, I, I'm reading this book called The Spirituality of Wine. The Spirituality of Wine, written by, it's a, it is a good book. And uh, I, I, I highly, I do recommend it. Uh, but this has been a, it's been fun reading this book uh, and just learning more about the process of, of, of how wine is, is uh, created, uh, really, even more than it's, even more than it's made. Uh, but there's this, there's this very interesting thing. When you, when you start reading these books, you understand, and, and you might know this already, uh, many of you probably do, but there are many different regions in which uh, grapes are grown, in which vines are grown, there, where vineyards are planted, and where wine actually comes from. And, and different grapes are grown in different regions, and that's how, that's how you have all of these different types of wines. But when you get a bottle of wine... You, you have it in your hands, and, and you, you pour it in the glass, but make no mistake about it that this, this bottle of wine, this glass of wine that you have, it didn't just accidentally come to be. 
I mean, it wasn't like this was just uh, simply and easily, uh, you know, someone stuck a spigot in a tree and turned it on and, and, and got this, this wine to come out. It, it's actually so much more that goes into it. It's a, it's a lot, even though, like, when you, when, you, when you eat a banana or when you eat a, a Florida orange or, 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 a, or a Georgia peach or, or, or whatever it might be, you know, it's, what you have in your hands is the end product. What you enjoy is the end product. But there's so much more that goes into it. There's such a, a beautiful process that goes along with it. You see, the person, when it comes to wines and vineyards, the person that, that cultivates the vineyard and cultivates the, 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 the grapes and, and produces the wine is called a, a, a vintner. You, you're familiar with this term? That's, that's, the, that's what this person, this is, this is their vocation. They they. They plant the vineyards and they, they, they uh, work with the soil and they, they, they harvest the grapes and, and they make, they create the wine. But the most important, important part of this person's vocation, I would suggest, is what they actually do with the soil. The way they actually care for the soil. You see, different soils produce are better for producing different grapes along the way. Uh, certain certain uh, regions, cooler regions, need soil that actually has rocks in the soil. Because in the cooler regions, the rocks in the soil actually help to keep the roots warm in the coolness of the weather. And so there are certain uh, grapes that grow better in certain regions when it comes to, to rocks and, and different types of soils and how they produce. There's this amazing thing that the vintner does that they actually have to cultivate the soil. They have to care for the soil. They have to know the soil. They have to till the soil. They have to nurture the soil. They have to fertilize the soil. They make sure that the soil remains balanced. They make sure that it remains refertilized so that when it's necessary, when it's time to plant, the soil is able to, to, to enrich and nourish the vineyard so that the roots can receive the proper nutrients and the water, and they will produce these grapes, which will eventually find their way into a bottle, which will find their way into a glass in your home. But if the vintner doesn't take care of the soil, then we will not get a good bottle of wine. You won't experience wine the way that you actually do now. Now, here's the thing. One author said it like this, says that life in the soil is a struggle. Life in the soil is a struggle, but the cycle of growth, death, and decay is essential for healthy soil. Think of that again, or listen to that again. The cycle of growth, plants grow, vineyards grow, vines grow. There's death that eventually comes once the harvest has been taken in, and then the old dies. It goes back into the ground, and when it goes back into the ground, it goes back as fertilizer. It enriches the soil. It prepares the soil. It prepares the soil for the next time that the seed goes in, and once again, we have good soil where life once again springs forth. But it takes place in the soil. It takes place in the ground. It takes place below what you can actually see. That's how you get good wine. That's how you get good peaches. That's how you get good bananas. That's how you get really good anything. And I would suggest that that's how you get a good life. That's how you get a good life. A life that is 
rich in mercy and love and beauty and grace and kindness and gentleness and self-control. A life that is being nurtured between you and the Holy Spirit. A life that you take care of the soil so that the good stuff can sprout forth. So just as the vintner cultivates the soil of creation, I, I, I believe, and I think that there's, there's good proof for this, I would say that prayer is how a Christian cultivates the soil of, of their heart, the soil of their soul. And again, we've been talking about this for 11 weeks, so we're not talking about prayer where I just, I just kind of, I, I get before God and I have to do this for 20 minutes every day or otherwise God will be upset with me and, and that'll, you know, I don't want God to be upset with me. I need to make sure that I tell God exactly what I need, otherwise God won't know what I need. And so, but da 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 No, remember, we're talking about prayer as this activity that is not for God. God does not need you to pray. God does not need me to pray. You need you to pray. I need me to pray. And by pray, and we'll dive into this a little bit more this evening once again, but by pray, simply, really, if you even remember these three R's, is kind of how I, I would almost boil it down. Prayer is, is where we maybe, we perhaps allow our time, ourselves time to retreat, to reflect. And then, my third R, I forgot it right there on, on, the, on the top of my head, to respond. To retreat, to reflect, and then to respond to what the Spirit of God is saying, to where the Spirit of God is leading, to what the Spirit of God is doing. See, remember once again, in Matthew, Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6, Verse 7 and 8, Jesus says, When you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. They think they're going to be heard because of all of their words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. God knows what you need before you ask Him. And as we've been talking over the last number of weeks, perhaps, perhaps God knows better what you need than you know what you need. Perhaps God would desire that we would retreat and reflect, and maybe there's not as many words that even need to be spoken. Maybe the retreating and the reflecting is an opportunity for God to say, listen, I know you keep thinking you need this, but here's what I'm actually doing in your life. And so, why don't we go this direction? So this past week, uh, Christy and I are, are talking, and, and we're in this process right now of just um, looking. Both of us are kind of looking for, for, for other potential avenues um, uh, for, making, for making some extra money for our family. And so Christy's kind of been going uh, hard after uh, a, a number of things, and, and these things just keep kind of coming to these dead ends, just Pursuing it, pursuing it, pursuing it, and then bam, it's not there. Pursuing it, pursuing it, bam, it's not there. And so as, as she had, uh, had taken some time to retreat and reflect, and let me, let me make this super easy. This is how Christy retreats. Uh, she, she actually blow dries her hair. That's, 
that's her retreat. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, because when I say retreat, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want you guys to all of a sudden think that all, everybody needs to go, like, find this, like, I, I think they used to call them prayer closets, you know? Like, you got to go find a prayer closet and be by yourself in this super silent, dark place. No, I mean, like, a retreat for her is kids are out of the room, dog is out of the room, pig is out of the room, I'm out of the room, and she's in the bathroom, and she's just, she's able to blow dry her hair. And this is an amazing connecting opportunity and time for, for Christy. She comes from blow drying her hair, and she says, you know, I, I've been, uh, been kind of just dialoguing with the Holy Spirit. And I'm really sensing, I was, I was in there, and I was saying, God, please help me get this, or get this, or get this, or get this, or get this. And what she came back, she said, I really do sense that God is saying, they're all dead ends, so stop trying to pursue those things and allow me to direct you to see where I want you to be. And this was a huge revelation for us because, and that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean sit, on, sit on your backside and just eat bonbons, everything's going to be fine. That's not what, what, what God is saying. But what we sense God saying in that is that we keep trying so hard, so hard, so hard to make something happen where we sense like God saying, let's pull back a little bit and allow me to show you where, where, the, where the fruitful Place is. And so that's what I mean by retreat. That's what I mean by reflect. So prayer for us, it's a formative process. It's not something that God needs us to do, but it's something that we need to do because we need to be shaped. We need to be formed. We need to be molded in our spirit, in our soul, in our emotions, in our psyches. We are, we are living, breathing beings who need to be brought in tune and in touch with this beautiful mystery that we call God. Like we need this. This is, this is healthy. This is beautiful. This is good. In the book of Luke, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, back-to-back chapters, 4, 5, and 6, the author of Luke, more than likely Luke, he actually tells us four different times that Jesus himself went off to be alone or went off to pray. He says Jesus went off to be alone. Another time he says Jesus departed to a lonely place. Another time he says he withdrew to the wilderness to pray. And then the fourth time in three chapters he says Jesus went to the mountain to pray. Now it's, it's always an intriguing thing to me that God himself, Jesus the Son of God, prayed. I mean like didn't he just, didn't he just know it? To which I, I would suggest strongly no, he didn't because he was fully human. I know he was fully God, but he was also fully human. And there's this interesting thing that we gather from the scriptures. Jesus himself, listen, Jesus himself had to be shaped. Jesus himself had to be formed. Jesus had to be molded. In the, in the second chapter of Luke, uh, the writer says that Jesus grew in wisdom and maturity it means that Jesus wasn't just born like with all knowledge and with all wisdom and all maturity. No, Jesus had to grow. And so when we read passages and we see that Jesus himself actually went to pray, went off to be alone, went to the mountaintop, Jesus is actually going, he's retreating and he's reflecting and he's saying, okay, God, I, you know, I'm not really sure, Father, what to do in this situation. I'm not sure actually which city or town I should, I should be at today. I'm actually not sure what you're doing in the lives of the disciples today. 
So I'm retreating, I'm asking you, I'm reflecting, I'm, 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 I'm interacting with you, and now I'm ready to respond to your leading as you shape my soul, as you shape my spirit, as you form me. So I think that if Jesus himself had to be shaped and molded and formed, well, then I know I do. And if Jesus saw it as a value, again, again, keep this in mind, Jesus wasn't praying to make God happy. And I like I just that I don't I don't want to get on with that superstitious superstitious kind of jump through hoops to make God happy so that you know I get stuff I need. No, this no, God is happy with you. Like God is pleased with you. God loves you. God is passionate about you. God's on your side. Like you can't do more stuff to get God more on your side. He's as on your side as he can possibly be already. It's done. Now I want to be formed in that. I want to be shaped. I want to be molded. Prayer is an integral part of the journey with God. And sometimes you can explain it. Sometimes you have words for it. Sometimes you don't have words for your prayer. Sometimes you, you, your prayer is verbal. Sometimes your prayer is silent. I mean, prayer just can look so many different ways. But here's, here's how I'd, I'd like to pursue this tonight in these last few minutes. There was this Celtic pilgrim, his name was Brendan, and it was written of Brendan that, uh, this was hundreds of years ago, that Brendan took a journey on the sea out of a spiritual desire and a sense of obedience to the Spirit. I, I don't know, he just, he had the sense that this is what God was doing, uh, that he was supposed to set sea. He was, a, he was a Celtic pilgrim, a missionary, and so he set out to sea. And there's a story that at one point, uh, the, the, the wind died down and so they just, they lowered the sails, and, and here's how it was written. When the wind died and the sails hung limp, the men on the boat began to row, but no one knew which direction to go. And so Brendan finally ordered the fatigued rowers to stop. And he cried out, for God is our helper, he's our navigator, God is our helmsman, and so he shall guide us. Pull in the oars and pull in the rudder. Spread the sail and let God do as he wishes with his servants and their boat. Now, sometimes for us, I'm very leery of the saying, just let go and let God. Just let go and let God. I'm weary of that because I'm oftentimes afraid that people will just let go and, and then just not do anything. You know, like, there's this, there's this thing, like, if we're going to let go, then there is this part of reflecting and seeing, okay, now let God, but then you have to be engaged to respond to what God is doing. Does that, does that make sense? There's, I, I see too many people like park the car and just ask God to drive a parked car. I mean, you, you, no one can drive a parked car. You can, the park, car only parks or moves if it's in neutral or, or drive. And, and so it's this thing, but what I, what I see here is that sometimes as we pray, the Spirit of God is inviting us. Hey, you're working really hard at this. But instead of you working so hard, why don't you ask me what I want in this? Why don't, why don't you just why don't you reflect with me and see what I'm doing in this situation? So I would go back to Christie's prayer here. Sometimes I think it means trying, stop trying so hard and maybe stopping and receiving and seeing and opening our eyes. And that would be my prayer. God, would you show me what you're doing? Here I am. Here I am. I'm in this relationship. 
and I don't know what to do. God, would you show me what you're doing in my life? How are you shaping me through this? How are you forming me in this? And is there a particular direction that I could and or should go? Okay. God, I'm in this economic kind of, I'm in this financial bind. You know, and I find myself praying, get me out of this bind, get me out of this bind, get me out of this bind. And yet, God, I don't see you getting me out of this bind. So maybe now I say, so Spirit of God, in the midst of this bind, what are you doing? What are you doing here? How are you shaping me? How are you forming me? What, what can I learn here? What's going on here, God? What are you doing in me through this? This will begin to change your prayer life. This will begin to change your whole life, really. It's not just a prayer life thing. Sometimes it is, it's, it's like this, if I could give you. Sometimes this is how we come to prayer. And clenched in my fist, I have my agenda. Clenched in my fist, I have my need for control. Clenched in my fist, I have my need for approval. Clenched in my fist, I have my need for security. And so it determines how I pray. This determines how I pray. Because as long as I'm tightly clenching to my need for control, I can only pray in ways that keep me in control. God, do this, please. And yet, if God wants to direct us perhaps to pray a different way or see something differently, we can't because of this. Does this make sense to you? You see, this is a big deal, though. And that's why I think Jesus says, don't go and babble in a bunch of words. Like, your father already knows what you need. The thing is, you might not know what you need. And then what Jesus does is he comes to us. and You can see this phrase uttered in the scriptures over and over and over and over again. But the words of the Lord to his, his friends is this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know you have your agenda. I know you have your need for control. I know you have your need for approval. I know you have your need for security, but I want to invite you to, to unclench your fist and to open your hands and to not be afraid. And we say, well, how, how do we do that? Well, it, this is an exercise in trust, and it doesn't just happen overnight. So you might not let it go of all four things at the same time. You might maybe hold on to your need for security and let go of your need for control just for a minute, you know, and you, you, you can always take it back. I mean, I, my suggestion is do we do an experiment, maybe. You can always take it back. I mean, Jesus never takes stuff away from you and says, no, you can't have it back. No, I mean, you can have as much junk in your life as you want. But maybe the invitation is, hey, you know, you don't be afraid. I, I want to actually show. I, I, I actually, my desire, Jesus would say, is to grow you up as a person. My desire is that when you're 45, you're not in the same place. The, the soil is richer and deeper and, and more, more, more enriched than you, when you were 35. And when you're 55, that you're not still in the place where you were when you were 45. And that when you're 65, you actually understand trust and mercy and grace and beauty in ways that you didn't understand when you were 58. Because I'm always growing you, maturing you, moving you. I'm trustworthy, but the only way we ever get there, whether you're 35, 25... 45 or 75 is at some point just opening our hands along the way to a God who says you don't have to be afraid. Now I know it's scary, but you don't have to be afraid because I love you 
And I desire to form you and to shape you and to move you. When we sit with God, we allow ourselves the opportunity to come into the things that God desires to do within us. Now, one thought on this retreat, because here's something I notice about myself over and over again, but retreat, friends, retreat is hard. Retreat is hard. Like, if you really want to know how hard retreat is, tonight or tomorrow, do an experiment. Set a timer somewhere, set a timer for 20 minutes, and just sit in a chair by yourself with no book, with no phone, with no computer, with no music. Sit, retreat for 20 minutes, and just allow yourself to think about the Holy Spirit. And see just how hard it is to not check Facebook. Or see just how hard it is to not check your email. Or see how hard it is to not just, you know, get up and go get another cup of coffee. Or, or whatever it might be. Because retreat is really, really hard. It's very challenging for us. And that's why I would say that it would be something, it's a discipline that we perhaps build into our lives. Something that we start to experiment with and practice. Because my experience is that I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, and maybe we're about to get there, and i got to see what they, if they commented on my status. And we take ourselves right out of, potentially out of the game of what the Holy Spirit's saying, doing, moving, speaking. We pray to pursue mystery. We pray to listen. We pray to respond. We pray to follow God. We pray that we might lay hold of love. We pray that we might lay hold of Christ. We pray that we might be formed. That we might be shaped. That we might be molded. And so, in the most practical way, retreat reflect, respond. How do I pray? How do I pray? Retreat. Give yourself five minutes. Retreat. Put everything down. Reflect. What are you doing in my life right now, Holy Spirit? Respond. Okay, that's what you're doing. I want to move in that direction. How we started tonight, centering prayer. That's, that's, that's a form of prayer. That's a way to pray. Here I am, Holy Spirit. I breathe you in. I exhale. I breathe you in, I exhale. Because, you know, and I, some people, t- somebody told me, they're like, that's so new agey, like engaging our body in prayer. It's like, yes, but we're fully integrated beings that God created. You know, we are mind and we are body and we are soul and we are spirit. And I like this. So you can't, just, you can't just concentrate on one part. Like this is, it's like the whole deal. And so we, we allow God to cover over the whole deal. Tonight, let's see here. Yeah, we're good. We're going we're gonna to share communion together. And, and this is something that I'd like to do this evening. As we share communion, I'm going to pick the guitar back up. But if you've worshipped with us uh, any time before, you, you, you know. And if you haven't, then let me introduce our table to you. But our communion table is made up of blocks and it's made up of boards. The blocks and the boards represent, this was something we did months and months ago, but the blocks and the boards represent heavy 
awkward stuff that we carry around in our lives. And so what we've chosen to do as a church is like we've brought the heavy, awkward stuff that we carry around in our lives, and as a church, we've built a table. And the table, it represents who we are. It represents our stuff. It represents the fact that we're part of the kingdom and that in the kingdom of God, we can lay down our stuff before God and we can be unified as as one people. The writing on the blocks and the board is more of our stuff because there were more uh, of us than there were blocks and boards. And so the writing here represents the stuff that makes us up as a community of faith. Everything from our political affiliations to the sins and, and, and things that we struggle with. Uh, it represents the fears that we have in our lives. Uh, in some cases, it represents stuff that we've overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so you can read our table, and you'll see, um, you'll see the age 39, and you'll see the age 63, and you'll see, um, you know, bald head, you'll see head full of hair, you'll see a Democrat, and you'll see a Republican, you'll see the word pornography, and you'll see the word alcohol, and you'll see the word failure, and you'll see the word fear, and you'll see it all because that's the beauty of God's people, is that that's what makes us, that's what makes, that, there we are. And so now we put our stuff, we bring our stuff to the table, and we say, God, this is who I am, and this is who we are, and, and now we're unified together as one, and we accept one another. Tonight, I flipped over this middle board, and I'm going to invite you to think about this as we start to worship, but I mentioned a couple of things. We love to hold on to our agenda. We love to hold on to our security. We love to hold on to the need, our need for control, and we hold on to our need for approval. I believe that these four things, there's a lot of other things, but I believe these are four very important things that hinder us from being able to more fully pursue what God, how God's shaping us. If one of those things resonates within you where you sense as we begin to worship that the Spirit of God is saying, you know, the need for control is killing you. It's, it's, in, it's, it's inhibiting your ability to be further formed and shaped. And, and, I, and if you sense the Spirit saying, I want to invite you to trust and to not be afraid and to begin to loosen your grip, then maybe for you tonight on that middle board, it's blank. Maybe for you it would just be jotting down the word control. For others it might be security. For others it might be approval. And maybe you're not in a place where you're ready to write anything down, and that's cool too. That's, that's the beauty of our church. Everyone's welcome to the table. Everyone's welcome to come to the table, and here's how we'll do it. Uh, I invite you to stand.